Turn with me to Ruth, chapter 4, and verse 1. Ruth, chapter 4, verse 1. Sherry had a particular car uh, when we were first married that, that I hated with a passion. It was always breaking down. Maybe you've had a car like that before. But I remember one time I had taken it to the dealership and they had put it on a tester because I couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. And uh, the guy that put it on the tester told me what he thought it was because the tester didn't register anything. He ended up being wrong. So finally, they had to get uh, one of their best mechanics to come out. And only this fella apparently could get the really hard problems. And he would go and he would work and, and uh, test things d a different way. Uh, and he found the problem and I was able to get it fixed. But sometimes you need somebody that is especially qualified to get something done, don't you? Well, Jesus is the one who is especially qualified to redeem us from sin. There's no other one that can do it. And uh, we need his redemption. What is redemption? Redemption is the paying of a price to set somebody free. Uh, or the paying of a price to accomplish God's plan. Uh, the Old Testament, they would redeem their firstborn. They'd offer a sacrifice in place of their firstborn. It was a, they were to redeem that. Uh, Jesus died in place of us and in place of our sin because uh, he took the penalty that we deserved. And so Jesus is uniquely qualified to be our redeemer. Uh, Boaz was a, what they call a kinsman redeemer. And you have to understand, in those days, uh, they had a law in the Old Testament whereby if you were married and you died as a man and didn't have children to carry on the family property, to, to inherit the family property, and to, to uh, uh, pass on the family name, uh, according to the law, one of your close relatives was to marry your spouse so that you could then have children that would carry on your name and your property. You would not lose your property in Israel. That was a very important thing to God, that they would be able to keep their inheritance uh, and that their family name would be passed on. And so uh, Ruth and Naomi are in the situation where Naomi had two sons, both of whom died without children. Uh, Ruth's husband died without children. And so they are in a, in a position where they are financially in serious trouble. They've had to sell off their land uh, to get the, the proceeds so that they could live off the proceeds. And so Bo Boaz comes into the situation and is going to buy back this land that is their inheritance, as they could according to Jewish law. And also he was going to marry Ruth to carry on the family name. Now it's interesting uh, because the family line would have died off with Elimelech had not, Elimelech was Naomi's husband, had not Boaz taken this step. Killian would have died off without any heir. Milan would have, would have died off without any heir. And so Milan was married to Ruth, but through Boaz, all three of these men have a continuing line and a continuing name that, uh, that continues because of the gracious, good, kind act of Boaz. And uh, the Hebrew word that was used to describe what he was doing, uh, we translate it as kinsman redeemer. It was the goel. 
And it, it was a word used to describe this redemption process that he does, and as well as a couple of other functions of the Old Testament. And it looked forward to that perfect kinsman redeemer who would enable us to get the inheritance that we lost. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve sinned against God. What did they lose? They lost a relationship with God. They lost some geographical territory too, didn't they? Because they were cast out of the garden. Uh, they were barred from the tree of life. Uh, nothing was the same when sin entered the picture. And so something had to be done. And, and Scripture looks forward to this future character that God would send called the Messiah who would come to restore what had been lost, to regain what had been lost for the people of God so that they could again have this relationship. They could again have the blessing of God and be in the presence of God in a way that they were unable to once sin entered the picture. And so uh, each of us needs to receive the redemption that Jesus Christ supplies. And I want to talk to you today about the sufficiency of our Redeemer. Um, look with me at Ruth 4 verse 1. Boaz went to the gate of the town and sat down there. Soon the family redeemer Boaz had spoken about came by, and Boaz called him by name and said, Come over here and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Then Boaz took ten men of the town's elders and said, Sit here. And they sat down. He said to the redeemer, Naomi, who has returned from the land of Moab, is selling a piece of land that belonged to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should inform you. Buy it back in the presence of those seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you want to redeem it, do so. Uh, but if you do not want to redeem it, tell me so that I will know because there isn't anyone other than you to redeem it and I am next after you. I want to redeem it, he answered. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you will also acquire Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the deceased man, to perpetuate the man's name on his property. The Redeemer replied, I can't redeem it myself or I will ruin my own inheritance. Uh, possibly what he's talking about here is losing some of his own land if he didn't have his own heir. So uh, he says, take my right of redemption because I can't redeem it. At an earlier period in Israel, a man removed his sandal and gave it to the other uh, party in order to make any matter legally binding concerning the right of redemption or the exchange of property. This was the method of legally binding a transaction in Israel. So the Redeemer removed his sandal and said to Boaz, Buy back the property yourself. Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses today that I am buying from Naomi everything that belonged to Elimelech, Kilian, and Mylon. I will also acquire Ruth the Moabitess, Mylon's wife, as my wife, to perpetuate the deceased man's name on his property, so that his name will not disappear among his relatives or from the gate of his home. You were witnesses today. The elders and all the people who were at the gate said, We are witnesses. The sufficiency... Of our Redeemer. How is Jesus Christ sufficient as our Redeemer? Well, first of all, I want you to see Jesus' power. Jesus' power. If you look in verse 6, you know, Boaz had told Ruth, he said, There's a Redeemer that's closer to me. I'm going to give him the option of redeeming. If he can't redeem, I'll redeem. 
But look at what he says in verse 6. The Redeemer replied, I can't redeem it myself or I'll ruin my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption because I can't redeem it. Um, This other Redeemer, whoever he was, would, would end up hurting himself if he tried to redeem. Did you know that there's no one else on this planet who could have redeemed mankind? I had somebody tell me one time, um, they had a professor in college that told them, well, God could have redeemed humanity with a dog if he'd have wanted to. Well, I think that's blasphemy. It's not true. Uh, Only Jesus could redeem mankind. First of all, he had to be a close relative, right? The Bible says the Word became flesh. Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. He became one of us. He became a human being. Uh, Jesus lived in eternity past with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, but he became a man and he lived the life that we live. He was tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. And the Bible says that uh, he went to the cross as our substitute. He lived the righteous life that we couldn't live. That's one reason he's a sufficient redeemer. He had the power to live a perfectly godly life. No one else in this world has ever done that. Another reason is Jesus was also fully God. The Bible says the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Scripture says in Colossians that by Jesus, everything came together, everything was created, and it is held together by His power. The Bible says all the fullness of deity dwells in Him in bodily form. You see, Jesus was fully God. We had a a fellow one time ask a professor uh, when I was in school, how could one man bear the sin of all men for all time? How could one man bear an eternity of punishment in a moment of time? Well, the answer is no mere man could. But Jesus could because Jesus was fully God. And as he was fully God, he had an infinite power to bear an infinite penalty upon himself to satisfy the full wrath, the full justice of a holy God upon himself. No other individual in history could have handled that. In one place we're told, uh, God told Moses, he said, you cannot see my face because if you see my face, you'll die. You see, such is the nature of our weakness and our sinfulness before God. If we were even to look at him, we would die. We could not handle it. The, the, the glory of God is so great. Jesus not only could look and stand in the presence of God, Jesus could bear the penalty, the full penalty of God upon himself. If you have one man, you get a hole. The, if you're digging a hole, you get a, a hole the size one man can dig. If you've got eight men, you've got the, a hole the size uh, those eight men can dig in a, mo- in a moment of time. Uh, If you have an infinite number of men, you get an infinite size hole. Jesus is an infinite God. There's no penalty that he can't bear. There's no satisfaction of God that he cannot provide on our behalf because of who he is. He is a sufficient redeemer. He has the power to save. You might be able to doubt the power of Jesus to save if Jesus were still in the grave. But Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down, and if I lay it down, I'll take it up again. 
See, that's the power that our Savior has. Um, Jesus can bring life to our hearts and our souls, eternal life to know him. The only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent, as John 17, 3 says. Jesus can bring that eternal life to our hearts because he has the power to bring life from death. So he takes a dead human heart that has no hunger for God and he begins to work on us through his spirit. And when we surrender to him, he takes our hearts and he literally spiritually resurrects us and brings us life. Only Jesus could do such a thing. Jesus' power had to be that way for him to be able to redeem us from sin, to pay the full price that God required. So Jesus is our sufficient redeemer, so trust him. Trust him uh, to, to save you from sin if you don't know him. But also trust him to sustain you in your life and to be what you need in your life. Um, if you look at the book of Hebrews, uh, he talks to a group of people that he tells them, hey, you're suffering, you're going through trials, but uh, I want to, you to fix your eyes upon Jesus because he has gone through these trials. He suffered as you have suffered. Uh, he, he knows how to help those who are suffering. You can come to him in times of trouble, and he is there to meet your need, and he is able to meet your need. I'm so glad that I serve a God who is able to intervene here in the circumstances. Um, you know, there's, there's people all over this world who worship gods uh, that the, the, the people that represent them are dead. But we serve a God who, who Jesus has risen. And so, um, trust Jesus because of his great power. Boaz had the power to redeem Ruth because of his situation. You know, uh, occasionally you'll hear about somebody that is kidnapped and they're held for ransom. But you know, there are poor people don't get kidnapped that often, right? Because they can't pay the ransom. What's, I mean, what good is it to try to get a ransom from somebody who can't pay it? But you see, you have to find somebody who has a sufficient resources to be able to pay the ransom. That's what Jesus is. He has all the resources of an infinite, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-able God. He can fully supply everything that we need. Isn't that a great thing? Um, so, the first reason that Jesus is a sufficient redeemer is because of his power. Secondly, I want you to see Jesus provision Jesus provision if you look at verse 7 he talks about them giving the sandal to make a matter legally binding concerning the right of redemption but the word redemption in the Hebrew literally it means redemption price it's the payment of a price um, Jesus is a sufficient redeemer because not only because of who he is but because of what he did um, Jesus left the throne of glory uh, at great personal cost to himself to become a man. To become obedient, the scripture says, unto death, even death on a cross. He lived that perfect life in our place. He died that death as our substitute. And uh, he provided what we need, the redemption price. And he said this, it is finished it's actually one word in greek and it was the word that was written at the bottom of a debt that had been paid in full 
Jesus says, all that needed to be done has been done. All that needed to be paid has been paid. The redemption price has been received from the Almighty forever. Your sin is paid for. God's justice is satisfied. God's wrath has been vented. Uh, You can now have an open access to God in a personal relationship with him through me. And what happened, the scripture tells us, when Jesus cried out with a loud voice, it is finished, the Bible says the temple veil was ripped in two from top to bottom because what had happened to us, uh, that veil stood as a barrier. Only the high priest could go behind that that barrier. Uh, And only uh, the priest could come into the holy place, uh, the different priests. But the scripture teaches these barriers so that when we see what Jesus has done, we know that in the Old Testament, that price had not been paid. It was dangerous to go into the presence of God. But now because of our kinsman redeemer and what he has done on Calvary's cross in paying the redemption price for our sin, the veil has been ripped open and God says, no longer is there a barrier between me and those who trust in my son. They can enter my presence with boldness. And so we have that relationship restored through the provision of Jesus on the cross. And one day, that will end in us regaining some geographical territory that we had once lost. If you read the book of Revelation, you see uh, the description of this uh, new heaven and new earth and so forth. And the Bible says in the tree of life, uh, the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. And that happens in Uh, I believe during the millennial period, but it also, I believe, will happen in the time of of the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem. The Bible speaks of the restoration of God's presence among his people. Uh, The scripture says in Revelation that uh, there will be no temple in the center of Jerusalem. Why? Because the Lord God himself and the Lamb will be its temple. And there'll be no need for the sun because of the brightness and the brilliance of his glory uh, will light the world. And so uh, there's access, open access, no more temple necessary. There's open access to the presence of God. How is that made possible? Through the provision of Jesus Christ. Through what he did on Calvary's cross, the relationship is mended. The marriage, the spiritual marriage between Christ and his church is consummated, spiritually speaking. And God has a relationship with his people. Sin can no longer stand as a barrier between God and his people because of the provision of Christ. So so come to him for that relationship. If you don't know Christ, uh, choose to turn from your sin and receive the gift of salvation from him. Um, if, If you do know him, Keep your sins confessed and ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit to live through you and surrender to him and trust trust him through you. Uh, So uh, as you do that, you can enjoy that fellowship now. And and Peter describes it as joy unspeakable and full of glory. Uh, Paul describes it as peace that passes understanding. Um, but, But that is just a taste of what's yet to come. Paul said, well, now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Scripture also says, eye has not seen nor his ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things 
which God has prepared for them that love him. How does that come to us? Only through the provision of our great Savior, Jesus Christ. So, so look to Jesus for that provision. When, when you're distant from God, come to him and confess your sin, as, as 1 John 1, 9 says, to have that fellowship restored. Uh, come to him when you're, when you're weak. Come to him when you're fearful. Come to him when you are struggling with, with uh, different things in your life and to find strength and courage to face the things that you have before you. Because he has provided not only for your relationship, but everything that you need, he has provided uh, through a relationship with him. Uh, the Bible says, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And so as we are obedient to him and following him by his grace, uh, he pours out his blessing upon us as well. So Jesus' power is one reason he's a sufficient redeemer. Jesus' provision is another. By the way, on Jesus' provision, all of the Old Testament sacrifices look forward to Jesus. All the festivals of the Old Testament look forward to Jesus and the work that he would do and the, the calendar of God's plan for uh, Jesus coming and the, and the Spirit coming at Pentecost and ultimately the second coming of Christ. All of that is pictured in the Old Testament. But there was no sacrifice that they offered in the Old Testament that could do what Jesus did. That sacrifice that they offered in the Old Testament was just a picture, a pattern of what Jesus would later come to do. And uh, the scripture says that God doesn't delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices. Uh, you know, they, they begin to look at those things. But he says, I, I'm giving you these things to, to help you understand that I would give you a means of having a relationship with me despite your sin. But this is actually kind of like being saved on credit. You, you're offering these things, but really the true provision is coming later on. And so Jesus accomplished what no Old Testament sacrifice could accomplish because those sacrifices were offered over and over and over again and never changed the heart of a person that offered them. But the Bible says that Jesus suffered once for all the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. One time in history was enough. Only somebody like Jesus could provide such a sacrifice. That's why you need to look to him. There's, you know, People say, well, you're too narrow to believe that Jesus is the only way. I'm going to tell you something. There's no one else who can do what Jesus can do. There's no one else who fulfills the qualifications that Jesus fulfills. Plus, he's God's chosen way. So... Uh, Trust Jesus to provide what you need. He is the ultimate provision for everything that we need. The sufficiency of our Redeemer. Uh, how is he sufficient to redeem us? First of all, his power. Secondly, his provision. Thirdly, I want you to see his preference. His preference. Uh, in verse 7, uh, he's talking about the right of redemption or the exchange of property, my translation says. So that word exchange can also be translated substitution. You see, what Boaz had to do in order to redeem Ruth, he had to uh, pay a payment, whatever that was. It might have been cattle in their bartering system, uh, or it might have been money that he used. But he had to pay a price in order to get the land and to redeem uh, the situation there with Ruth and, and Naomi and, and, and their land. 
So there was a substitution that had to take place. Jesus' preference was that instead of you and I dying for the sins and paying the penalty that we justly deserve, Jesus' preference was that he be our substitute. That he go to the cross. The scripture says this, God shows his own love for us in this, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. Jesus told the disciples, he says, at any moment, I could call 10,000 angels to destroy my enemies. But Jesus didn't do that. He said, I set my face toward the cross. I choose willingly to lay my life down to pay the price for sin. Um, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was wrestling with this. You know, I think only Jesus could truly understand what it was he was about to face. It it wasn't just a, a physical death that he was going to face, but it was the spiritual separation from God that he would experience in relationship for the first time in, in, in eternity. It was the wrath of God that would come upon him. It was the justice of God and, and, and the full fury of a holy God upon himself that he would take upon himself for every filthy, vile, evil thing that had ever been done or would be done in the history of mankind. And Jesus knew what was in front of him. That's why he cried with those great sweat drops of blood and agony over what was coming. But he said, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And the scripture tells us that he, he stood up from that time of prayer and he went through the whole process, through the trials and through everything, in perfect peace. In his heart, he had settled it. And uh, he had surrendered to God's purpose. And he had surrendered to, to be our substitute. Um, Pilate's interviewing Jesus and he says, he says, aren't you going to answer? Don't you know I have the power to set you free or the power to put you to death? Jesus says, you have no power but what's been given to you. And the one who, who is greater, has more guilt, is the person who handed me over to you. And and Jesus would not answer. Why? Because he had set his face to the cross. He had said, I lay my life down for you. I love what Isaiah 53 says, that the prophecy of what Jesus would do hundreds of years later. It says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed that's God's purpose that's Jesus goal in his earthly life was ultimately to go to a cross to be our substitute Christ died for sin once for all the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God no longer would there be a separation but there would be reconciliation through the work of Jesus Christ as our substitute. When the Old Testament uh, Israelites would, would bring their sacrifice to the temple, what they would do is they would take the lamb and they would press down upon the head of the lamb. And it was a picture of transference of the sin that they had committed to the substitute. 
and then they would uh, slit the throat of the animal and uh, the priest would take it up and put it up on the altar and the blood would be drained out and put upon the four places just like Christ had the crown of thorns and the, the two wounds in his hands and the wound in his feet. Uh, it was a picture of what Jesus would later come to do. But there, there could be no atonement. There could be no redemption. There could be no forgiveness without a substitute. And so God said... I'm giving you these visual pictures to prepare you for what my son is going to come to do. And, and Jesus spoke about giving his life a ransom for many. Jesus was our substitute. So praise him, thank him. Aren't you glad we have a substitute? I tell you what, I, I would not want to face the justice and the holiness of a righteous God without Christ. I couldn't. I'd be in deep trouble. So Jesus' preference was that he would be our substitute. And, and the sufficiency of our Redeemer, how is he sufficient? Well, first of all, his power. Secondly, his provision. Thirdly, his preference. And then finally, Jesus' purchase. Purchase. The word purchase or acquire or buy occurs multiple times in this chapter. And um, there's this picture as Boaz purchases the land, as he purchases um, this this whole situation, um, he says in verse 10, I will also acquire Ruth the Moabitess. What's he talking about? It's a word used to mean purchase. So as he purchased this land, he was also purchasing this relationship. In the New Testament, the Bible says that we're to honor God with our bodies, for we're bought with a price. He says, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. You're bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Peter says it this way. You've not been redeemed with, with empty things like silver or gold. You've been redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus, a lamb spotless and blameless before God. Um, Jesus purchased us. The price was his, his blood, his death. Uh, the price was what he endured on the cross. And the transaction was finished when he said, it is finished. Um, what does that mean, that Jesus has purchased us? Well, first of all, it means that we've changed kingdoms. Colossians puts it this way. It says, you have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. You remember when uh, Paul was about to be beaten for preaching the gospel? And uh, as they were getting ready to beat him, he says, Don't you, you know, are you going to uh, beat a Roman citizen without a trial? And uh, the centurion who was about to, to execute the punishment, he says, Well, he said, I, I purchased my citizenship at a high price. Paul says, I was born a citizen. And that was the end of that punishment, <laughs> uh, it was over. Uh, but he, was, he purchased his citizenship. You and I are not citizens of heaven unless Christ, by his grace, saves us from sin. We are purchased by the blood of Christ and we have been transferred uh, into uh, that citizenship in the kingdom of God uh, through the blood of Christ. Also, have you ever heard of adoption? When someone makes a, a purchase to adopt a child. 
and they go through this process. Did you know that when you become a child of God, you are adopted into the family of God? Through Christ's work on the cross, he has purchased you, and you become a part of his family. Uh, In the Old Testament, they paid a bride price. That was part of the customs of that day. Uh, And so when you come to Christ, you put your trust in Christ, you become part of the church, the people of God, the bride of Christ. He has purchased you so that you now have a new relationship. Can I tell you something? Ruth and Naomi, their life would never be the same because of the decision of Boaz. Instead of eking out a living and instead of Ruth going behind the harvesters and, and picking up what was left, now they are adopted into a family with great resources and great provision. Their life will never be the same. Uh, I've heard of, of people adopting children from overseas and out of great poverty. And, and uh, I remember one uh, pastor sharing in, about a, a young boy that he had adopted from India. And uh, he had never seen running water. And they turned the, the water on in the tub. And, and he was just fascinated. And he's sticking his hand in it. You know, he's a, a small child. He had never seen that before. But his life would never be the same. He, he, he was an orphan. He had no provision. He had no hope. But he was adopted into a family. And all of a sudden he has all these resources available to him through his adoption. That's what Jesus has done for us. The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Did you know that we are joint heirs with Christ? And, and yes, God provides for our needs here, and he provides a lot of our wants. He's, he's good to us. Uh, but ultimately, one day when we get to heaven, it's like some of those old songs say, uh, my feet are going to walk on streets of gold. I've been adopted. I've been purchased. And I'm the possession of Jesus Christ. You know what else that means? That means the devil can't touch you. You're a born of God, the scripture says, and the evil one cannot touch you. Uh, God has control over your life and has limits, and the devil can do nothing to you except what God allows. And if God allows it, it will be used for some good purpose in your life because that's what the scripture teaches us. So the fact that you belong to Christ, Carmen, uh, the the Christian singer, wrote this song a few years back, and um, it was called Witch's Invitation. And the long and short of it was, he goes to this this guy's house that's a witch, and this witch is showing him the the things that he's done, and, you know, like the buildings that have been destroyed and the people's lives that have been destroyed as he's done these these evil uh, incantations and so forth, and... Uh, and at the end of the song, I don't know if it's a true story or not, but he, at the end of the song, uh, Carmen says, uh, he, he, gets, he gets bold and he says, you know, he says, really the ultimate issue is not what you're talking about. The ultimate condition is, the ultimate situation is the condition of your soul. He said, what are you going to say when the soft associates of your incantations come to drag your soul to hell? He says, I know what I would say. I am bought with the blood of Jesus. Let me go. You see, I'm purchased by the blood of Christ. The devil can't touch me. Instead, I have authority over him in the name of Jesus Christ. 
This is the heritage that we have. This is why Jesus is our sufficient redeemer. His power, his provision, his preference, and his purchase. Worship him, praise him, thank him for his wonderful work of grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the amazing work of Christ's redemption. Lord, I'm not sure if we'll fully understand all of the the characteristics and the wonderfulness of of what he has done for us uh, until we get to heaven. But we thank you.